like him. Well, if we're doing it right, we are. But there is no other name, right? He has no rival. We were just the daily Bible reading this morning. Moses goes to Pharaoh. He says, tell him this. Do this and show him as a sign. They threw down the staff and it turned into a snake, right? And all the wizards and magicians, they did the same. And then Moses or Aaron's, whichever one, the, their snake swallowed up all the other snakes. They, they were a counterfeit, but they weren't a rival. They were trying to be the same thing, but they weren't. The water turned to blood and things were horrible. Can you imagine? And the musician, musicians, <laughs> magicians and wizards did the same thing. They turned water to blood. Things were bad and they tried to copy God and they made things even worse, didn't they? There's nothing but him. He's the one. We love you, Lord. We thank you that you are unparalleled, unrivaled and that you are Lord. We love you, God. We just ask you to continue to be here today. Speak and help us to listen. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody's saying, what's this guy doing up here? Well, you're in for a treat or not, one of the two. I guess we'll find out. And I'm trying something new. I'm a paper guy. We'll see if this works. Who knows? If it, if, if, if it dies, I've got paper right there, so we're good. Hey, I'm Greg. Good to see you. Boy, this is almost big enough that I don't need these. Almost. Should have hit that plus sign a couple more times, huh? Oh, well. We'll be all right. Um, yeah, I'm Greg, and I'm going to get some heat. One, because I'm drinking coffee up here, and another because I'm wearing a hat. There's multiple reasons I'm wearing a hat. My head doesn't have much insulation, so it gets cold. <laughs> and on top of that, it feels naked. So I covered it up. This makes me more comfortable. So if it makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry. We can talk about it later. But it's bad enough getting up here, <laughs> let alone with a cold, naked head that creates a glare in the cameras, right? So when, when I first started here, I was doing youth group, and uh, on Wednesday nights when I would teach in youth group, I would sit down. I would have, everybody was just sitting there, but I would sit on a chair because, as you can tell, I'm kind of nervous standing around up front, right? So that helped. Uh, so the hat's going to help. So does the coffee. Um, also, I'm wearing this motorcycle vest. Um, and I don't 
We, we talked about this the last couple of uh, Righteous Writers circuit writer meetings that we had, but uh, I don't necessarily wear it a lot unless I'm writing. And yet, occasionally, the Lord says, you should wear that. And so, if that's the case, then I try to be obedient. Um, the most recent example was just goofy and silly. We, uh, we talked about this at our last meeting. Uh, we had a breakfast. And so we're all at this breakfast, and we're sitting around, and there were no motorcycles there. Anybody ride this morning? Can you be out in the parking lot? <laughs> no. If there was going to be one, who would it have been? It'd be me. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we, we sat around and we had breakfast and we had a great morning and I was coming home and I had to stop at the store for something and I get out at the store and I'm getting ready to run in. I just got to grab a couple of things to come back to the house and God said, put on your vest. I'm like, well, that's stupid. I got to take off my jacket. I got to put on my vest. I got to, you know, blah, 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 blah. So I took off my jacket and I put on my vest and I went into the store and I'm walking around the store and I'm finding what I need and I get it all and I'm standing in the line waiting to check out and I'm thinking to myself, seriously, this was kind of ridiculous, but whatever, you know. And this guy comes by and he passes me and he stops and he turns around and he looks at me and he says, dude! thanks for being so bold for Christ. And I'm like, huh, okay, cool. Like we talk about, though, this, this is just normal for us. This is, this is what we do. We wear these things when we're out riding. We, uh, you know, we, when we go to a meeting or we go to a motorcycle event or whatever. Uh, it's just, before I had this one, I had the jacket with, Jesus on a cross, and it says, in your face with amazing grace. <laughs> that was awesome. If you know what I'm talking about, it was an old Resband t-shirt that I sewed onto the back of a jacket. Actually, somebody sewed it on for me. Then I wore that jacket out. Somebody else sewed it on another jacket, and it is in really rough shape, but I've still got it. <laughs> uh, remember last fall, we had the national uh, vice president, Bulldog Mac McBride, here. Do you remember that? At the end of the service, and then even continuing after the service, a bunch of people wanted prayer. And they got it. And I, hearts were touched. I think, I think wounds were healed. I think lives were changed. But uh, I took this picture that morning. And the reason I took this picture wasn't because it was anything special. Because it wasn't. These people were not praying for people like this just because they're in a church service. I've seen these exact same people doing this uh, in the parking lot. Not of a church, just in a parking lot of a store. I've seen them do it at gas stations, in the middle of the street, at a biker event. Uh, it doesn't matter. Right next to a tent selling halter tops and people standing around with beers in their hands looking for a new pair of chaps. And we got people doing this. It's an awesome thing. Our chapter was having a meeting in a restaurant. And after we ordered, we got to talking. And that led into praying for each other. And people were needing prayer. And so you know what we did? We prayed. We were at the long table in the middle of the restaurant. 
in the very center of the dining room, gathering around, laying hands, petitioning the throne of the Lord as the staff was bringing our food out and trying to figure out who was sitting where and everybody else in the joint was having their lunch, you know, and we were doing this. It didn't matter if people stared. We weren't paying attention to them anyway. We were ministering, right? Just a group of great people who love God and aren't ashamed of that fact. It's kind of the way you got to be if you're wearing writing for Jesus in bright yellow letters on your back, right? Dude. Go ye. This isn't a circuit riding commercial, though. Uh, today I'm going to talk about the church. Uh, people who open service, especially Rebecca, I love it. She's like, good morning, church. <laughs> right? Paul, he's out doing uh, security right now. He always says uh, RVCC Lake Omo, Minnesota. Most of the time when he can get it out, right? Sometimes he stumbled. I have too. Uh, but, you know, good morning, church. What is the church? Is it the building? Is this it? Is this the church? That's one of the places we use together, together, right? I've already mentioned some of the others, parking lots, gas stations, restaurants, wherever we go. But it just makes us, it awfully convenient to have a building like this, right? Who, uh, who has room for some weeks close to 200 folks on, uh, on a Sunday morning in their home? Anyone? You know. In Acts chapter 2, he reports about the believers at the time. said, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So they met there at the temple. There was a communal facility that they utilized, right? They also got together in smaller groups in homes, eating, communing, lunch after church bring in some friends, just hanging out with them. Culver's after Vessel's youth group on a Wednesday night. It's not a bad thing. That's, uh, that's actually, I think, part of it. That's a good thing. Encouraging and equipping women's breakfasts. Biblical. Nice job, ladies. Right? In the Bible, since we've all read through it multiple times, keeping up with our daily Bible reading programs, right? Yeah, some of you have, I know. I haven't always made it, just so you know. Uh, in the Bible, we never see church referring to a building. It doesn't ever mean a structure. And that's good, because if you've been following the highway project plans and considerations out here, uh, we might not be continuing to be in this particular building in the foreseeable future. Who knows? Nothing's been confirmed, right? Nothing's set in stone. Uh, but the three options that they showed at the last meeting all have total property acquisition right over right where we're sitting right now. We'll see. Discussion about this has been going on for over a decade, right? This time around. So I'm not going to worry about bulldozers waiting outside when we leave this morning. We're going to be okay. But... If that really is the case, that's not necessarily going to be a bad thing. 
One, everybody knows something needs to be done out there at the intersection. Uh, there was another fatality last weekend. It was awful, awful. Um, we used to do the crucifixion thing before Easter out, on the high, out by the sign. We'd do this uh, crucifixion scene. I'm hanging on the cross. Me. Jesus, that's right. <laughs> I'm hanging on the cross. And, and I watch an 18-wheeler blasting its horn as it just blows right through the red light. It was bad. Uh, we stopped doing that because it just did. It kept getting worse and worse. But if that's really the case and we are going to have to move, it's going to be hard. Moving is always difficult emotionally as well as physically. When uh, Carrie and I moved uh, here to Stillwater, I was amazed at the amount of stuff that we had in our place, mostly my stuff, uh, tucked up in floor joists in the basement and, you know, in the corners of the attic and, you know, a ton of stuff. And, and you know, our family has almost literally raised our kids in this building. When the lad was little, he'd be wandering around playing, doing something, and when it was time for us to go, I'd just stand out there in the middle of the foyer and I'd yell really loud, Where's my boy? And he'd come toddling out from wherever he was, made sure everything was cleaned up, and we'd be ready to go, right? I'd bring our daughter, the lass, who's doing the live stream this morning. I'd bring her here when my wife and son were away at church camp together before she was old enough to go. She spent days here helping me. And she's still helping me. And she still hides in my office sometimes uh, on Sunday mornings when she's here and it gets too people-y for her and she has to get away. <laughs> Got to catch your breath sometimes, right? Here's the beauty about that. Did you know that God is not surprised by any governmental decisions? It's not going to take him off guard. Oh, shoot. What am I going to do with RVCC? I didn't, I didn't see that coming, right? No, he's got plans, and they're good. They are. Most of the times that God directed people in the Bible through stuff, it wasn't easy. But it was good. I'm pretty sure if that's going to be the case here, he'll have it covered. And we'll be all right. But we're talking about the church. It's not the building. How about this? Is it a corporation? Yes and no. You know, RVCC Lake Elmo is set up as a designated religious nonprofit. And that, you know, for multiple reasons, that allows us to be recognized as an official, legitimate organization. And, uh, you know, it traditionally has, you know, protected us from certain governmental nonsense and. Uh, it allows you actually to get some tax benefits for your contributions to the organization. And I think laws like that were set up, I believe, because at one point the people in charge recognized the positive influence that the church has on society. And they wanted to encourage that. 
But no, the church isn't a corporation either, not the one I'm talking about, right? You know where I'm headed. You said it at the beginning. The church is you. It's us. It's we, the people, are the church, right? Uh, I said before that in the Bible we never see church referring to a building or a corporation. It's always the people. Always. At the beginning of uh, most of the epistles, what do you see in the greetings? To the church, right? In Corinth, in, in where? Galatia. To the saints who are in Ephesus, the church of the Thessalonians. Revelation references the church in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos. Is that how you pronounce that? I don't know. Blah, blah. All those others. Uh, you know what that's all about? We've got a class Wednesday nights right back over here. <laughs> Revelations starts at 6.30 on Wednesday nights. It's in room W1. It's, uh, no, they're in one. One's the big one. Don't correct me. <laughs> I love you, Mary. <laughs> but the church, it's people. It's people! No, sorry. <laughs> Some of you got that, didn't you? Uh, it's, the, it's, the, it's the believers as a whole. It's what he's talking about in those, in those specific areas. Uh, and, you know, most of the time there were too many of them to get together in one home, so they'd meet at different locations. They'd have one pastor or elder type who was responsible for taking care of and teaching that particular gathering. Does it make you think of anything else? Hmm. I'm not waiting for an answer. Just letting you think. I was thinking about it. RVFM is an overseeing organization, right? It's set up as a designated religious nonprofit corporation. It's allowing that to be recognized an official legitimate organization with protections and benefits and blah, blah. That sounds like a church, right? And it really is. It's kind of like a church for churches, which is made up of the church. So many different layers of definition here. But... As I was thinking about that, I wondered if Paul would write a letter to the Church of God in the St. Croix Valley and all the saints who are in eastern Minnesota and western Wisconsin. That'd be pretty cool, right? Hopefully it would be one that was, you know, encouraging and <laughs> complimenting on us for what we're doing rather than smacking us down and telling us to straighten up. But the point is the church in that city or area was seen in the New Testament to be one local church, even though they met in different places. It was all part of one body. I uh, saw a focus on the family article, and it said, fellowship, worship, and ministry are all conducted by people, not buildings. Church structures facilitate the role of God's people, but they don't fulfill it. All this stuff, the building, the organization, the daily Bible reading programs, the youth group, kids' classes, adult classes, crew, freedom group, healing hearts, Friday night Bible study. You want me to keep going? I could go on and on and on and on, right? 
But that's all here to help facilitate you doing what you're supposed to do so that you can be obedient. And if all that stuff isn't doing that, if we're not, and we're just padding our organization's resume, hey, look at what we're doing, right? Then they might as well bulldoze us this afternoon because we're a failure. None of this, and Pastor John has said it too, none of this is about RVCC. None of this is about RVFM. It's not about an organization. It's about God's kingdom. It's about growing that and spreading that and furthering that. And yeah, we got pastors. They're part of the church. Now we're starting to get into opinion here. Are you ready for this? I don't personally believe that they or we, since I'm part of it, right, are a bigger part of the church than you are. The church, the organization's staff, we're here to help equip you to do the stuff, but we're still part of the group as a whole. We're all familiar with this section in chapter 4 of the letter that Paul wrote to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Uh, He said, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Just saw a meme, because that's how I communicate. Uh, And I I know some of you guys have saw it too, but it says, uh, you know, it doesn't say, well done, my good and faithful pastor, bishop, evangelist, apostle, preacher, missionary, teacher, singer, worship leader, right? It says, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what we all are. We're all servants of him. It goes on in that passage to lay out the ultimate goal for all those jobs, right? Until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Show of hands, who's there? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? No? Why do we need to mature to that extent? One, because we're not, right? But duh, it's, we need to be heading that way anyway so that we don't get misled, so we're not confused, so we're not deceived, so that we can actually be the body of Christ, right? There's a lot of confusion, mixed direction, and deception going on out there. Am I right? Look around. There's not a pedestal for a pastor up here. We hardly ever even go up on the stage, right? Trust me, I know we're not placed on a pedestal here. (laughs) And I don't believe that we should be. My personal opinion, again, is that we should be down on the ground slogging right along with everybody else. Because we are all living this life. We're all in it together. 
working it out in fear and trembling. It's just the way it is, right? I see a pastor's role as kind of like when a kid is learning to ride a bicycle. The parents there helping, encouraging, holding on to the seat, right? As you're, as you're going along, yelling, go, go, pedal. No, look ahead. Look forward. Go, go, go. Come on, you got this. Let's go. Pedal. Go, go. Right? Then what happens? This is the best part. Dad or mom or the pastor lets go. Whoever it is, they let go. And the best part is when it, does, when it happens right, the kid doesn't even know. Right? They don't even realize it. Eventually, they notice when there are ways ahead, right? The adult is still yelling, encouraging, trying to convince them, you've got this, look, you're doing it. You, you can do this. I told you, you know, the, the same thing they've been doing all along, except they're actually doing it. Then what happens? Crash. <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. Almost always. There's always a crash. Always a crash. Are they a failure? Really? They crashed. They're not writing anymore. But uh, yeah, you're right. They're not a failure. Peter sank after he walked on the water all the way from the boat to Jesus. Did that disqualify him? He wasn't a failure, was he? Anybody else walked on water that wasn't frozen? Want to go down with me to the St. Croix and walk across this afternoon? Anybody? I didn't think so. Uh, crashing, falling, failing. That's not the end. That's just experience. You can learn from it. You can get better. You can know more and do more next time, right? I think a church service, like here in the church, in our building, which you don't hear it a whole lot around here, where I grew up, it was called the church house a lot of times. You know, we're going down to the church house, and I, th- I think that's accurate, really, because we've already shown that that's not the church, it's just the building, right? But that's where the church as a local body, that local body, they live there, they get fed there, they rest and recover, you know, from the work day there. It's actually a pretty apt description, in my opinion. But I think a church service like this this morning is kind of like a scrimmage for a sports team. We're running plays, we're practicing what we've learned, we get coaching, we get direction, we get correction. It's where we put in work together to hone our skills and to develop new ones and to, you know, figure out stuff that we need to figure out. It's where we help each other out to get better. But no athlete is going to get where they can be without doing work on their own either, right? My son and I were just talking last night about a guy that's on the basketball team at the college and the improvement that he's made from last year to this year, just great. And he was telling me that, uh, you know, last spring, after the season was over, all he did was run sprints in the gym, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He's, uh, he's put in the work on his own, 
because that made them better, right? You got to hit their weight room. You got to study. You got to eat right. Well, you don't have to. But, uh, you know, shooting hoops in the driveway is important. Practicing new moves. Not until you can do them correctly, but until it becomes second nature, until you can't do it incorrectly. Because it's just, you've put in that much effort. Then we go out together at game time. We use our talents and our skills. We work together towards the same goal. We've learned how each part fits into the game and what we can do to help somebody else get better. I've seen basketball players that almost never score, but they do something else. There'll be, uh, there'll be a point guard, and they distribute the ball, and they make their teammates better by getting them the ball into the right position where they can succeed. It's pretty cool. In sports, when a team works together like that, it's amazing to watch. You can see it, and it's just, it's just beautiful. Same thing when a church does that. I read another article the other day that compared the modern church to football. But not like a team where a bunch of people sit and watch the game, either in the stadium or on TV or streaming or wherever, and a few play the game. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Oh, that was supposed to be a little bit later, Joy, but that's okay. When a football team deals with an injury, what do they always say? What's the philosophy, right? Next man up, let's go. That's why you have backups. That's why you have practice squads. That's why you continue to train even though you're not a starter. A good team has a deep bench with players who have put in the practice. They've done the things they need to do to be able to perform, right? And I'm not just talking about standing up here like I am today. Lots of positions where we have people operating uh, all sorts of, of things where we need to have backups. Jamie didn't feel well during the uh, week devoted to God and lost your voice, right? How'd that work out? Actually, it worked out pretty good. <laughs> yeah, actually, it worked out really well because we had others that were able to do what we needed to have done. And... It was fantastic. And they, the others are fantastic, highly anointed. Last week I was supposed to be playing bass. I saw that I left it up here. Sorry, Dan. Where is he? I know he's in the, oh, he's over there. My bad. Okay. Never cleaned up after myself. Just like home, right, babe? <laughs> <laughs> but I was supposed to be playing bass last week. We didn't have a bass player last week. Things were going on. I was needed somewhere else, so I put that down, went back and took care of something else. This week is like the Vikings. What did they do last season? Cousins was out. Mullins was out. Hall is a raw green rookie. Hey, let's get this kid Dobbs. At least he's played a few games, right? Then for a couple of weeks, he was the golden child of the NFL. They were comparing him to Mahomes. Right? He becomes the pastronaut. And I actually heard sports people say, could they actually go this year? Could this kid take them to where they've never been before? 
right? Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so I get asked why I don't preach very often. Part of it's probably because I take cheap shots like this, you know. But here we are, down to me, fourth, fifth, sixth string quarterback this morning, right? <laughs> are we willing? Are we really ready to do whatever God asks? Whatever He needs you to do. Have you put in the work? Have you put in the practice, the film study, to be able to do what he's asked you to do? I'm not always ready. I'll just be honest with you. It's the truth. We're all working on it, right? What if he asks you to do something that seems stupid? Because God would never do that, right? He would never ask you to do something that nobody else is doing. What if, uh, what if he asks you to do something that's uncomfortable? What if it's hard and lonely? And you're the only... What if, what if it's like Joseph? Have you been keeping up with the daily readings? We've just gotten done with that history this week. Joseph gets sold into slavery, gets thrown into prison... You ready for that? I'm not sure I am. But like I said before, we're all working on it, right? What if that's God's plan to save his people? Because through that, Joseph was put in charge of all of Egypt, saved his family, including the ones that sold him into slavery in the first place, and, uh, and you know, kept them alive during the long famine that was going on. That was the family whose numbers God had promised previous generations would be like the number of grains on the sand or the numbers of stars in the sky. And it came down to one kid that got sold into slavery. But he was faithful and did what he was supposed to do even in those conditions, right? Okay, nobody wants to get sold into slavery and imprisoned. I get that. So what if it's just like Abraham and the others that we've all read about, uh, you know, when they're told, go away from everything, you know, pack up, take your stuff, leave. Even if he uh, says, I'll give you something better, right? Because you've got, where you are is pretty good. You know how Carrie and I got here? We... Uh, packed up and left our lives to come here to RVCC because we believe God told us to do that. All our family, all our friends, almost everything we did were actually tied up in that church. Little church lesson, I don't know if I've told you this before, I think I have, but uh, I'm sitting in church over there in River Falls where we lived and, and did everything at the time, and it's just dry. It's awful. Sunday mornings, oh, I got to go to church again, right? You know, like, this just isn't working. I'm, I'm not getting anything out of this. And God said to me, personally, what are you putting in? 
You're like, well, that hurt. So I started putting in. I started getting involved with some stuff, starting doing some things. And it got so much better. Huh, weird. And, and then it got, you know, seriously, it got so that almost our whole lives were revolved in that community. And it was wonderful. It was amazing. Then God told us to leave. That was tough, wasn't it, Kathy? <laughs> Crying outside in December. It was brutal. But uh, look how that turned out, huh? I mean, here I am, fame, fortune, you know. <laughs> big shot. Uh, oh, wait. But you know what? It is amazing. It is good. And I don't have a single regret. And now I've got a whole life that's wrapped up here, practically, you know. And I realized that at one point, that I spent almost my whole life right here in this building. That's why I started doing stuff outside of the building, because I didn't want to be isolated and only be surrounded by you people. I needed to get out and be in the world, but not of it, right? So I started, started getting involved in some other stuff. All right, as if it hasn't been weird enough, this is where the message gets a little weirder. <laughs> but don't worry, Pastor John will be back next week. I'm sure he'll be able to correct everything I'm saying that's wrong. Actually, email the office this week. I'll keep a list and give it to him, and he can just check them off one at a time when he gets back, okay? got to make sure you're here though so you can hear it the staff us uh the pastors and leader types here in the organization of the church uh back in the fall we're praying and we were making plans for the upcoming year and seeking god's wisdom and and just you know preparing getting ready and right in the middle of the thing i i was praying and I came up with some questions, and we didn't answer them, but we talked about them. I'm going to ask them to you guys this morning to see what you think. Genesis chapter 9, after the flood, God told Noah and the kids to go and fill the earth, right? It'll be okay, he says, I promise, I'm never going to flood the entire world again. What's the very next verses talk about? Do you remember? The very next verses are about Noah getting drunk and passing out naked. <laughs> there, look it up, Genesis chapter 9. Again, ever make a mistake and do something stupid? I'm not recommending that, but still not disqualified. Failure is not disqualification, right? Noah had just saved all of mankind by being obedient. Anyway, I have no idea why that was in there. Seriously. I, I have no clue. But it must have been important. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been in there, right? Anyway, after being told to get out there and multiply, after Noah passes out and gets drunk, uh, we get a whole chapter 
of, uh, you know, everybody actually doing just that. Begat, 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 and the sons of, and the sons of, and, you know. Then what's next? We get to the account of Babel, right? Why did they stop and settle there rather than continuing to spread out? Chapter 11 in Genesis verse 4 says, Then they said, Come. I'm sure they said it that way. Come, let us build a tower, right? No, they said, uh, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. It says right there they didn't want to be scattered. They wanted to stay together. They wanted to make a name for themselves right there. I'm sure they recognized that they had strength in numbers, right? And all the other people that spread out like fools, they could be stronger than them, right? They wouldn't have anything to fear. They had an advantage and they didn't want to give that up. But were they intentionally setting themselves up to oppose God? Amplified has it this way. They said, come, let us build a city for ourselves and a tower whose top will reach into the heavens and let's make a famous name for ourselves so that we will not be scattered into separate groups and be dispersed over the surface of the entire earth as the Lord instructed. And it's just adding context, but interesting, huh? Obviously, they couldn't build a tower to heaven, right? The text says to the heavens, I don't know exactly what they were doing there. Strong's defines that word as uh, the heaven, heavens, or sky. The visible heavens or sky. The abode of the stars. The visible universe, the sky, the atmosphere. We know they couldn't escape the atmosphere. Did they know that? I don't know. I don't know what they knew. But here, here's what I was thinking. Was the tower to try to escape another flood? They knew it had just happened within recent history, right? Even though God promised not to do that again, were they not trusting Him? Evidently, they weren't trusting Him. Do we do that sometimes? So God had to come down and he scrambled their language to get them to do what he had told them to do originally, what they were supposed to be doing, getting out there, go yeeing, right? Can this apply to church planning? Maybe. I believe that the church, the actual church, starts with each of us. Individually. But we're not a church until we get together with others. And we're supposed to. We need that. We also need to be willing and obedient even if God tells us to spread out. RVFM, the River Valley Fellowship of Ministries. I think that's part of the church in the St. Croix Valley. I don't think it's all of it. But it's our part. I think it's a vital part. It's an important part. 
But in my head, here's how our part of the church organizationally is structured, right? It's kind of like the army. You start with squads. You got six to 10 or 12 folks. They're together. Three or four squads make up a platoon, which is the next bigger group. Three or four platoons, and you got yourself a company, right? Companies join together and they form a brigade. Brigades make up battalions, blah, 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 blah. It just gets bigger and bigger. Each group, all the way from the squad up until the battalions and whatever comes after that, takes care, each group takes care of itself and the surrounding groups at that same level. And then they work together to form and take care of the next level. And then that works together with the next larger unit, you know, and it goes on and on. And that contributes to the overall effort. Before you know it, you've got an army that can occupy an entire planet. <laughs> occupy until I return, right? Uh, and then God, he's sitting up there at the top as the uh, divine five-star general. And, you know... We all follow his orders. You can go ahead and show the next one. It really doesn't have anything to do with anything, except I'm a nerd and just saw Dune. It was awesome, and I got my tickets early for the next uh, installment. I'll get to see it before all the rest of you, because I'm just that cool. But that concept of you know groups and larger groups and larger groups does that all sound familiar? Exodus 18.25 says, Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and tens. Every group was still a part of the larger group, right? But they were all still part of the children of Israel. They were part of the church at that time. Just like here in the valley, we're all working together, part of the same body. It's the body of Christ. It was funny this week, uh, somebody left a book here in the building. We've got groups that come in and out and do different things. But uh, I'm walking around doing my part here, you know, cleaning up. And uh, I noticed this book laying in a spot where there's not supposed to be a book, so I pick it up. Book's called, I Am a Church Member. And I really laughed. I mean, I haven't read it, but I did the scan the first chapter. And here I am, you know, working on a message on the church and this book, I am a church member, just happens to get left, right? <laughs> I'm not recommending you go out and get it because actually the first chapter or so that I kind of flipped through almost seemed to be a harsh reprimand of a consumer or country club view of church that you know, can be predominant if you're not careful. It uh, almost, I told you I communicate in memes, almost reminded me of that cat meme where the one cat's smacking the other cat in the head. You know what I'm talking about? Usually it's the husband and then it's the wife up here. Anyway, I think I know who left it and I'm going to try to get back to him. But uh, in the meantime, I might flip through a few more pages and see what I think. But yeah, I am a church member. Here's my wrap-up. What's your part as a church member? We've all got one. And I don't believe it's just to sit and listen, to consume a message, and that's it. 
And that's actually the hard part about streaming and online is because you can get the teaching. And it's good. This has been amazing this morning. But uh, if you aren't involved, if that's all you do, it's, that's, not, that's not the fullness of it. That's not all it's supposed to be. As annoying as they are, we've got to be around other people sometimes. Pastor John had that list of categories of church involvement or, or areas of the pool where it's shallow and then it gets deeper and deeper last week, right? It was uh, nice of him to start a whole series just to set up my little one-off message this morning, but that's just the kind of team player that he is. We're working on going deeper. We're trying to become closer to God and becoming more of what he has called us to be. Why? So we can be more holy than the Episcopals? Or Episcopalians? Or whatever. No, of course not. So we can impact the world, right? So we can impact the culture. So we can impact society and the Episcopalians if they need it. Everybody around us. Got a uh, video sent to me by... John Voigt, the last week or two. It was uh, by a guy whose church was robbed by some homeless people. And they ended up, as an organization, they anonymously worked out ways to bless and help the folks that did it. And the guy was talking and he said, listen, I don't know much, but I know this. I can say that too. When, it, when darkness comes our way, our job is not to make it darker. Our job is to light up a dark place. So we don't respond with hate and anger and revenge. We respond with the love of a king, of a kingdom that's out of this world. And he says, come on church, go light up a dark place. You don't do things like this world does because your king is from a different kingdom. My wife has a prayer posted in the house. At least one place. It might be a couple of places. I'm not sure. It was started at the beginning of the year. It was for 2024. It goes like this. It says, I pray that this year I would be brave to do new things, to accomplish new goals and to meet new people. Take me out of my comfort zone. Give me missions I wouldn't normally take that I will bear fruit I wouldn't normally eat. I pray that you would keep me expanding my capacity to walk in all you have for me. Thank you already for this year. And I ask for the grace to live it really well. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.